something you've said a lot to the teachers over this transition process um, is that when it comes down to it, good teaching is good teaching. Um, And it's not about changing what you do because of the circumstance, the technology, but it's how do you use your skills and then tailor them to the medium uh, so that the message can remain the same. You're listening to Speaking of Language, a podcast recorded at the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. Each week, we explore a topic related to language pedagogy and second language acquisition. This week on Speaking of Language. We kick off our first episode of season six with lessons learned over the summer. Listen in to hear how we prepared our colleagues for teaching language online and a few Cornell instructors' experiences in building community and engaging students online. Welcome to a new season of Speaking of Language. I'm Angelica Kramer, the director of the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. And I'm Sam Lupowitz, the LRC's media manager. What a wild few months we've lived through. We're excited to kick off our first episode of season six with some lessons we learned over the summer. So, Angelica, we've been busy at the LRC transitioning to remote instruction in the spring uh, and then helping prepare our language colleagues for online teaching over the summer. Indeed, yes, we do know how to keep ourselves busy. Um, I think some of the things that we learned in the spring Um, were that the transition for the language classes in particular actually, um, the transition went very smoothly. Yeah. A lot of the students mentioned that it was so much easier to transition to remote learning in their language classes as opposed to their other content area classes, which I think is a testament to how well our teachers are doing in the classroom, regardless of modality, if it's face-to-face or online. So big shout out to all of the language professionals out there. Yes, it also means that that we win and I like winning, so. uh. (laughs) Yes, indeed, it's all about winning. Um, Something else I think that we won at was the learning community that we put up in record time for (laughs) our language faculty here at Cornell. Um, our online language community on teaching language online, which was a five-module course that helped engage our colleagues in thinking about best practices for how to work with the online environment, how to structure materials, how to design tasks, all sorts of different things that we packed in there. And I think one really important piece that kept resurfacing was the importance of building community in this new online environment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know that's been, it's one of, been one of the big concerns, not just in, in language teaching, but in teaching in general. Yeah. Um, but also I think one of the great successes that we started to hear back from our instructors here um, and, and others that I know, but, but I feel like the language teachers that we worked with really took to it and um, had some some great things to say about ways they were able to use the situation and the modality, mm-hmm. even though they had been forced into it, to, mm-hmm. to get creative about how they built a community in their classrooms. Yeah. Yeah, and how to leverage the affordances of technology. Mm-hmm. And I think this would be a great time to throw in what Thierry had to say. My name is Thierry Torea, and I'm teaching French the 
tool I use, you know, to engage students, you know, to keep them focused, to keep their attention is um, this uh, little iPad. I use it in conjunction with a share screen. So I have another program that I use called uh, Active Inspire. I go to my desktop, share, and then you can actually have a PDF or Word document, any file, and you can actually also um, write. Okay, so you can uh, you can circle, you can underline, you can, uh, and students, you know, can take turns and actually uh, work on the sheet, and you can write um, their answers, and then you can actually uh, uh, regroup and ask other students if they think the, the answers are right or wrong. Something else that I think we've discussed a lot with our colleagues was the importance of presence, not only teaching presence, but also the importance of social presence and ways to present yourself in the online environment as a person. I think one of the things that our students have mentioned was that their language classes are a tight-knit community. Mm -hmm. They know their peers, they know their instructor. And so one of the things that we were working through with our colleagues was how can you replicate that, recreate that in the online environment? Yeah, and, and to that end, we did do a lot of training on how to create effective and engaging videos, which is helpful for asynchronous parts of class, ways to convey information to the students in a familiar way without having to gather everyone on Zoom and mm-hmm. finagle with all the, all the um, complications that can arise when you're yes. trying to get a bunch of people's internet connections to all behave yeah. as one. I think another thing that was really nice about these um, videos in general is that it helps to humanize the classroom, mm-hmm. right? Again, going back to having a social presence and, and having a teaching presence and just making sure that even though you only interact with your students via screen now, you are still the same teacher, you still have the same personality, and you share some bits and pieces about who you are to to help build that community in the online environment. Something you've said a lot to the teachers over this transition process um, is that when it comes down to it, good teaching is good teaching. Um, And it's not about changing what you do because of the circumstance, the technology, but it's how do you use your skills Mm -hmm. and then tailor them to the medium uh, so that the message can remain the same. No, absolutely. And we had a few teachers who came up with creative ways to do that. Hi, my name is Sue. Today, I would like to share with you what I did during the spring semester in the aspect of online community building that I think helped maintain a sense of morale and a sense of community among my students. I would log on to uh, Zoom about 10 minutes before class and started playing music. I noticed that on hearing the music, as my students enter the room, their face will light up I I then will turn off the music gradually to signal the start of class. So one interesting article that I read over the summer that was published in the Chronicle of Higher Education was titled, Turns Out You Can Build Community in a Zoom Classroom. 
I mean, who would have thought, right? <laughs> I think our teachers um, have shown that it is indeed possible. And I think as part of our learning community, so have we. And if anybody is, is interested, um, we certainly can provide more details and more information about some of the key strategies that you can employ to build community online, whether it's in Zoom or asynchronously in your learning management system. But I think just some of the things to consider as we go through fall semester here is what are the ways to engage our students? What are some of the advantages and possibly disadvantages of some of the features in Zoom or in our learning management system? Um, how do we need to deal with assessment and thinking about grades and the panic around grades? And I think one thing um, that we kept stressing over the summer is think about quality and not quantity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes in this environment that we find ourselves in, it's better to do fewer things really well. And that also applies to how many technologies we want to play around with in our teaching. Um, so reducing that and really focusing on the quality and always making sure that we follow backward design and thinking about what's the ultimate goal and our outcome, our learning objective for our class. Absolutely. Um, and I know... Uh you know, this this fall semester, not just here at Cornell, but for everyone, uh, is going to be full of new new uh, challenges to mm -hmm. overcome. But also, I think, um, at least from where we're standing, we're really seeing a lot of educators rise to the challenge. Um, and so I'll look forward to, as we enter the sixth season here of our podcast, hearing from more experts in the field of, of language instruction and uh, education and, and what they're working on and what they have to offer to everyone. So before we sign off, Sam, I don't think I've ever asked you about your favorite word in a language that you speak, ah. love, or are learning. Um, let's hear it. All right. Well, the the first one that came to mind is a favorite, not only of mine, uh, but of my my middle school French teacher, <laughs> uh, Madame Guillot. Uh, and it's uh, it's a word in French. It's saucisson, which is a sausage. Um, <laughs> but but like much of the food in in France, it's not comparing it to what we have in the United States isn't really a fair shake. Um, and so she would talk often about. Uh, uh, how whenever she would come back from visiting family in France, uh, she would have no choice but to smuggle saucisson uh, through customs. <laughs> and she explained, hopefully uh, I'm, not, I'm not outing her here, but uh, uh, that the correct way to do that is that if you put it down in the bottom of your boot, they never look there. And so she always <laughs> got away. Apparently, according to her, I don't... Don't I, don't try this at home. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I'm not encouraging this sort of behavior, <laughs> uh, but that's I'm told is the way to get a saucisson back from France to the United States. It might still be a little bit before I can be back in France and enjoy yeah. some French cuisine. Uh, if anyone is doing this thing that I am not encouraging them to do, let me know. <laughs> I like it. That's a good one. <laughs> Next week, Julio Torres will join us on Speaking of Language. Dr. Torres is an Associate Professor of Applied Linguistics and Multilingualism at the University of California, Irvine. He is our first guest this semester as part of the monthly LRC Speaker Series. 
Julio's talk, titled The Effects of Instruction on Heritage Language Learners, was held on Zoom earlier this week, and the video can be found on our website at lrc.cornell.edu. And, of course, you can listen to next week's episode online. Until then, Auf Wiederhören! The Language Resource Center is located on the ground floor of Stimson Hall on Cornell's main campus in Ithaca, New York. Check us out on the web at lrc.cornell.edu or look for Cornell LRC on Facebook and Twitter. Speaking of Language is produced by Angelica Kramer and Sam Lupowitz. Recorded by Sam Lupowitz. Original music by Sam Lupowitz, Dan Gable, and Joe Gibson. Thanks also to the College of Arts and Sciences at Cornell University. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Sciences or any other official entity of Cornell University. We thank our listeners, and do stay tuned for our next episode.